Coming back to my message, today we're going to be looking at part two of yes and amen. Part two of yes and amen. And you're going to hear me say this, you're going to hear me say this phrase very often throughout my message. In a world of broken promises, God can be counted on. In a world of broken promises, God can be counted on. People around you may lie about various things. People around you may promise you about various things. You know, whether it's politicians, whether it's fast food joints, whether it's people calling you for a credit card, for a loan. People around you may promise you a number of things. But you can be assured of this one thing, that man is bound to fail. Man is not perfect. There's only one, perf there's only one person who's perfect. And his name is Jesus. And in a world of broken promises, you can be assured of this one thing, that you can count on God. On a much lighter note, a politician visited a village and asked what their needs were. So the villager replied, we have two basic needs, sir. Firstly, we have a hospital, but there's no doctor. On hearing this, the politician whipped out his cell phone and after speaking for a while, he reassured the village leader that the doctor would be there the next day. He then asked about the second problem. The second problem, sir, is that there's no cell phone coverage anywhere in this village. There's no, so some of you will get it after you walk out of that door. I know it's pretty hot, but the second problem is that there's no cell phone coverage. You know, like I said, people may promise you something and they will break those promises. But there are three things that Christ promises he will never do. He won't leave you brokenhearted. He won't leave you brokenhearted. He won't reject you. And he will, not, he will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And last week, you know, just to recap some of the promises, some of the guardrails that I gave you to look at. I just want to go through all the six points that I went through last week. Today I only have two points, but I just want to recap. Promises need to be put in their context to get the full meaning. Promises need to be put in their context to get the full meaning. Accept all God's promises, not just the ones you like. Very often we only like to take the ones that we like, the ones that sound pleasing to our ears, the ones that make us feel happy. But promises like, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have persecution. Are some of the things that we don't like to take. But we miss out on the second part of that verse which says, But take heart. Take heart. For I have overcome the world. There's nothing on this earth that we won't be able to go through and come out victorious. There's no situation that, we, there, there's no situation that will exist that God will not be by your side. There's nothing that you will go through in this lifetime. There's nothing, there's no situation that you will ever go through in this lifetime, wherein as long as you trust God, as long as you know He's by your side, you will never come out victorious. You will never come out victorious. Whatever may happen in life, you can be rest assured that as God is with you, as this promise-keeping God is with you, you will always go from breakthrough to breakthrough. 
It's true that God takes us to times where he wants to teach us. At times we call this, we call these periods the wilderness period. We call these, we call this time, times of trial. It is true that God takes us through all of these times, but it's only to refine us, to build us, to make us stronger so that what comes ahead, we will be prepared for. We will be prepared for. God is a promise keeping God. Accept all God's promises, not just the ones you like. The aim of God's promises is to glorify himself. Whatever happens in our life, our promotion, our job, our new car, our business, our healing, we don't get the glory, but God alone gets the glory. It was never about us. It will never be about us. I'm so sorry to let you know that. I'm so sorry. We're not in a celebrity culture. You know, today we're living in this church celebrity culture. You've seen, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I should go there. There's only one celebrity, and his name is Jesus. There's only one person who needs to be celebrated 24-7, and his name needs to be Jesus. His name not needs to be, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm not a celebrity, please don't make me one. Otherwise, it'll be a problem for you. I'm serious. You know? Problem is we tend to lift up people and then when they fall, they fall really hard and we put the blame on them. No. There's only one person who needs to be celebrated and his name is Jesus. But in, in a world where there's so much happening right now, we're getting so many celebrities. So many celebrities. You know, I pray that that day would never come for any of, that day would never come for any, any of us where we forget where we came from. You might be at the highest place right now, the best place right now, but, but may we never forget where we came from. We came from a dark and ugly world. And there was a price paid for us. There was a promise that was fulfilled over our lives that brought us into his marvelous light. Without him, we're nothing. May we never forget that. May, may we never forget that. And I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I'm one of the people, I don't brag in it, but this is who I am. I'm very much approachable. Okay, I'm not one of those people who, can we take his number? No, no, no. Take my number. I've told people recently, I told people a couple of days ago, I get calls 3 o'clock in the morning. My wife tells me, switch off your phone. When, you, when we go on a holiday, when we go on a holiday, switch off your phone. Switch off WhatsApp. I mean, because she loves me. and She's not telling me for any other reason. It would be amazing, yeah? God, I'm in trouble right now. I'm in need. Listen, right now I'm switched off. I'm in snooze mode. Let's talk about this tomorrow. I'm not God. I'm not God, but I've had situations where someone's met in an accident at 2.30 in the morning on a highway, and the police has called me because that person has given my number. What if, that, what if my phone wasn't do not disturb? That person is bleeding from his head. What if my phone wasn't do not disturb? You know? So when I say I'm available 24-7, take it literally. But don't call me like someone, who, like, like someone who called a pastor. There's ants in my sugar, what do I do? At 2.30 in the morning. I'm, I'm not joking. Someone called up my pastor when we were in India. 
and said, there's ants in my sugar at 2.30 in the morning. What do I do? Someone called him up at 1.30 just, you know, you know, if you like to ringtone, you call up the ringtone and you press hash and then you get the ringtone. Somebody called him at 1.30 and then cut the line and he called back. Everything okay? He's like, no, I just wanted to copy your ringtone. But listen, we are in a church that is filled with the promises of God. This is God's house. He said, I will build this church. I will build my house. That in itself is a promise. And everything that God does, he needs to be glorified. Some promises are conditional. Promises must be claimed and applied by faith. And last, don't be passive about God's promises. You know, we've heard this saying, you do your best and God will do the rest. You need to work. Don't wait and sit back. No, God will do what he has to do, when he has to do, however he has to do it. I'm just going to wait. No, no, no. Don't be passive. Don't, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. We need to do our part. Everything that is in the Bible, every promise that is given in the Bible is for you. Is for you. Is for your household. And today I want to start with point number seven. Make sure you are spiritually prepared to receive God's promises. Make sure you're spiritually prepared to receive God's promises. 1 Samuel, sorry, I didn't say that. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30 says that God honors those who honor him. God is looking for surrendered hearts and for those who are quick to confess sin. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Make sure you are spiritually prepared to receive God's promises. What do I mean by spiritually prepared? I'm not asking you to go and sit down and fold your legs in that very awkward way like a monk and sit down there with your fingertips touching each other. No, no, no. What do I mean by saying, make sure you are spiritually prepared to receive God's promises? It simply means that God wants to speak to you. God wants to get into your life. He wants to fill you up with himself. But if you do not go to him, how are you going to expect him to do that? God's never going to force anything on you. He's given us freedom of choice. But we need to come before him daily. We need to establish a relationship with him daily. Somebody else telling you about God. Okay, somebody else telling you about what God did in their life. Somebody else telling you about the revelation that they got from God in their life is only knowledge to you is only knowledge to you. If that was the case, I can, go to, I can go to Fabian and I can be like, hey, tell me what God's doing in your life. God's done this for me. Oh, wow, let me fill my tank. I can go to Hertz. I can go to Dimple. I can go to Bobby. I can go to Prisca. I can go to Bijoy. I can go to Kimmy. I can go to Sienna. I can go to everyone. And say, oh, wow, this is good enough for me. I heard, I filled myself today just by hearing of what God's done in their lives. No, 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 that does not fill your tank. That does not fuel your tank. God wants to give you your story. God wants to give you your promise. God wants to give you your revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you. And very often, 
A lot of times, God reveals himself to you with regards to exactly where you are at that present moment. You know? You can be a person who just won the lottery. You can, just be, you can be a person who just won the lottery and you can go to Fabian and then what, what, what God is saying to you? You know, and, and you can, let me say this, let me say this in the best possible way. You can be a person who just won the lottery, you can be away from God because you won the lottery for so long you were praying for God to come in, for God to step in, for God to give you your breakthrough. Now you want something and you walk away from God and like, okay, let me just go around and do my, you know, like we take the, the null card, we tap, we tap, we tap, we tap. Nowadays it's become with a debit card also, we tap, tap, tap. We're living in a tap, tap culture, you know. I don't know if you've seen those memes. The, the card machine is given and it's put on the other person's pocket, you know. Because we're living in this tap culture. And in church also we want to tap, tap, tap and hear about other people's breakthrough. And we go, suppose I go to Fabian, I'm like, what's God speaking to you? Fabian may be in a place where, you know, he's really, you know, he's really trusting God for breakthrough in the area of finances. And he's received a word by spending time with God. My God says he's going to provide for all my needs. That word's not going to apply to you. That word's not going to apply to you. That word is knowledge to you, but it's revelation for Fabian. Because that's God's promise to Fabian for that season, for that moment. In the same way, God wants to give you revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you with exactly where you are. He will never speak something out of context, something that would never make sense. He will speak to you and he will fill your heart with so much where, we, where you will walk out of that place. Wow, today I met with God. I met with God. But you need to be spiritually prepared. You need to spend time with him in order to receive his promises. You need to be spiritually prepared. You need to be, you know, when the, you know, when the promise comes, you need to give it time. You need to allow it to soak in. You need to allow it to sink into your heart. You need to allow it to sink into your spirit. And that only comes by spending time with God. That process comes only by spending time with God. Otherwise, if we walk away from God, if we are in a place, please don't mind, I'm taking time on this. If we are distant from God, we walk away from God, whatever promise God gives you won't make sense because you haven't spent time with Him. You haven't spent time with Him. In order for God's promise to not only make sense, but to be fulfilled in your life, you need to spend time with Him daily. You need to spend time with him daily. You know, my last point for this, this, this sermon uh, series, or uh, this message, yes and amen, is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. You know, sometimes we have to wait long before a promise is fulfilled. Sometimes we have to wait long before a promise is fulfilled. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 23, 24, let us hold unswervingly to the, hope we to the hope we profess. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who is promised is... Some of you don't believe it. He who promised is... 
He's a God who is faithful. He's a God who is faithful. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't bail when you think God has failed you because he hasn't. God is faithful. The Bible says, Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere. Sorry, I'll go back, Shubhika. You good? <laughs> Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. You need to persevere. Like I said last week, you know, we don't like those verses. You know, we, we need to accept all God's promises. The Bible says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have persecution. You will have trials. But it also goes on to say, but I have overcome the world. Take heart. What it means by saying, take heart. Saying, persevere. Don't worry. I've overcome the world. If I have overcome the world, so can you. It doesn't say sit on your bed, watch TV, go through Netflix, and when you have done it, you will receive what is promised. No. I'm not condemning any of you, okay? I'm not condemning any of you. It doesn't say chill out, go on the beach, lie down, have a good swim, and when it's done, when you're done, when you go back home, you will receive a promise. No, no, no. It says you need to persevere. Don't worry, you need to persevere, press on. And he says, don't worry, I'm with you. You may feel like you might have failed. I'm telling you, I was, I, was, I was branded a failure. You know, the number of years that, listen, I'm telling you, if I was in school long, long, long enough, they would have probably made me the principal. I kid you not. Not that I like my school a lot, but it's just that because of all the negative influences in my life, I just lost the whole thing of studying. And I failed, eighth, ninth, ninth, 10th, 10th, you know? And I was branded a failure. Even when I went into college, when I was, when I was in, in, surrounded by people, when I was surrounded by Christians, I was branded a failure. But I did not allow that to bring me down. I pressed on. God said, he's gonna, he, God said he's the lifter of my head. God said that he will use the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God says he will use the weakest things of this world to shame the strong. I did not allow that to get me. I could have just sat and said, oh yeah, things will happen. God said it's going to be done. No, I had to persevere. I had to say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow anything to bring me down. Some of you might feel like you're a failure today. You are not a failure in God's eyes. You will never be a failure in God's eyes. I may have failed at that point in time. Other people around me must have said, you failed. But God said, this is another chance to start again, Clinton. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. You are not a failure in God's eyes. Irrespective of what the world said, God thinks more about you than the people around you. You are not a failure. Hold on to hope. What is hope? I love that verse. Hope is an anchor. Is an anchor for our soul. It keeps us grounded. It does not allow us to shake. In the middle of the storm, that anchor goes deep down and it's firm. It does not allow us to, it does not allow us to shake or to sink. 
But it says hope is an anchor for our soul. And that hope which is in Jesus will cause us in the midst of the, the toughest trials, the biggest storms to stay put and not move. Because God is with you. God is your hope. And I want you to know, you know what it says, we persevere, we need to move. We need to take that step forward. Things might, be not, not, things might not be so good in your family right now, but it's okay. Do not give up. Hold on to hope. Persevere. Move on. Don't allow the things to, uh, anything unwanted to get to you and bring you down. Don't allow anything to prevent you from God lifting you up. It says, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has promised, what he has promised. You will receive what he has promised. You know the beautiful promise of verse 4, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's an amazing verse, but it's followed by verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. We are called to delight. Delight. God, no matter what, it doesn't look the way it needs to look. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are God over my life, over my family. I thank you. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him because he will come through. He will come through. You know, Herbert Lockyer says, all God's promises concerning his own are dated in heaven and with our finite knowledge, we cannot read the time when many of them are to be fulfilled. But remember what I said last week. A promise is the assurance that God gives to his people so they can walk by faith while they wait for him to work. A promise is the assurance that God gives his people so they can walk by faith while they wait for him to work. You know, in the next few minutes as I bring this message to a close, I want you to know once again, in a world of broken promises, God can be, God can be, God can be counted on. In a world of broken promises, God can be counted on. And I just want, I just thought it would be good for us to look at some of these scriptures. You can take a picture of these scriptures also. Put it up in your mirror, on your fridge and claim this every day. You know, I just put out these few verses. Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Deuteronomy 1 verses 11 to 12. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. As he has promised. Joshua 23, 14 to 15. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one, say not one, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. The last one, 1 Kings 88, 1 Kings 8, 56 to 57. Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave 
through his servant Moses. You know, I really like this. His divine power is given to all of is, has given his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. To the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, it's comforting to know that God has already given us everything we need to live our life and grow in godliness. And I see from this passage two things that we are called to do. The first is to unleash God's power and the second to utilize God's promises. What do I mean to unleash God's power? I want you to know that you do not need another book or blessing or seminar or experience if you know Jesus. Notice the past tense. Has given to us all things. Has given to us all things. The past tense. Has given to us all things. You know, it says that you have all that you need right now to be all that God wants you to be. The all things means everything. The second is to utilize God's promises. God's promises are great and they are precious. The word great is the superlative root. It's, it, it's the superlative root word which means megas, which means exceedingly outstanding. The word precious means prized and of such great value that a suitable prize is hard to estimate. His promises are to be prized because they are precious. His promises are to be prized because they are precious. God's promises are mega magnificent. You know, John Bunyan, who spent much of his time in prison, much of his life in prison because of his faith, wrote these words. The pathway of life is strewn so thickly with the promises of God that it is impossible to take one step without treading upon one of them. It is impossible to take one step without treading upon one of them. The Bible says, I'm closing with this, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You know the context over here, let me give you the context very quickly. The context over here is that some Christians were accusing Paul of breaking his promises because his travel plans had changed and he was not able to go to Corinth. In Paul's day, some people were even casting doubt on the message of Christ that Paul preached. So he wrote back to establish that he was not a promise breaker and God certainly isn't either. That's why he said, for all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. You know, someone said that God's favorite word is yes. God's favorite one, God's favorite word is yes. You know, the promises come through, the promises come through Christ. The promises come through Christ, but they need to be claimed by us. The promises come through, the promises come through Christ but needs to be claimed by us. 
One must know Christ in order, in order to claim the promises. One must know Christ and have a relationship with Christ in order to claim the promises that come through the promised one. God is looking for people who say yes and amen to him. God is looking for people who say yes, who will say yes and amen to him. These promises are given for the glory of God, not just for our good. God gets the glory through us when we take him at his word. In a world of broken promises, God can be counted on. I just want to read this last thing. This is what D.L. Moody said. Take the promises of God. Let a man feed for a month on the promises of God. And he will not talk about how poor he is. You hear people say, oh my leanness, how lean I am. It is not their leanness. It is their laziness. If you would only read from Genesis to Revelation and see all the promises made by God to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the Jews and to the Gentiles and to all his people everywhere. If you would spend a month feeding on the precious promises of God, you wouldn't be going about complaining how poor you are. You would lift up your head and proclaim the riches of his grace because you couldn't help doing it. You couldn't help doing it. In short, when we dive into the promises of God, we'll spend less time complaining about our problems and spend more time praising. And that's not false advertising. In a world of broken promises, God can be counted on.